Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning, April the 20th, 2022. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Wednesday. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, and we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. It is, uh, as I mentioned, April the 20th. I hope you left your uh, your Cheetos and uh, your ho-hos out for Willie Nelson last night uh, for him to visit your home because those are the things that he, uh, you know, he likes to uh, to eat. It's like, you know, Santa Claus, you leave chips or uh, cookies and, and milk out for, for Santa on uh, Christmas Eve. On 420 Eve, you've got to leave out the uh, the nice little snacks for Willie Nelson to come visit your home and leave you a, a present if that's something that you're into. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, it's always funny to kind of – I call it National Eye-Rolling Day. Uh, on like specifically on social media because and it's already started. You, you go on social media and people are like, "It's 4:20," and you know it's just like, "Oh God, here, here we go dealing with the children today." I digress. We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk sports, and we have a lot of sports to get into, specifically NBA playoffs. Because last night, not a good night for the Phoenix Suns. We will absolutely spend some time talking about that and uh, what I saw and what we can expect to see from the Phoenix Suns moving th- forward, including, uh, you know, what's going to happen with Devin Booker now that, once again, another hamstring injury. It seems like every year he has two of them, one of, one in each leg, maybe the worst hamstrings in the history of NBA. I don't know. But uh, it's, it's, it's continuing to be a problem for Devin Booker, and it was a problem last night for sure. It slowed him down. He, you know, had an incredible first half, and uh, we'll talk about that coming up uh, when we uh, start getting into the meat and potatoes of the conversation of today's show. We'll also talk about the other Game 2 results that occurred last night. There was one in the East, one in the West, and uh, one team punched back, and another team punched their ticket to a 2-0 lead in the series, heading to um, uh, to the visiting site now for a couple of games, uh, that being the uh, Miami Heat. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about tonight's playoff games. There's a uh, you know, a big one tonight, obviously, Nets and Celtics following, trying to following up the gem that was game one. We'll see what happens in game number two as the Celtics are hosting the Nets in that highly contested series. And we have two other games tonight going on in the NBA playoffs as well. We'll talk some local stuff, some local Arizona talk. There's not much, um, you know, really, like, you know, it's you know more about the you know, Arizona got a commitment from a European player. Arizona basketball got a commitment from a European player yesterday, and Arizona sent out Arizona basketball, men's basketball, uh, posted a you know something on Twitter and, and Instagram and uh, Facebook yesterday on other socials that kind of indicates that Dalen Terry is going to be with the team next year and kind of squashing any thoughts or rumors that he may be jumping to the NBA draft. So we'll talk about that. Uh, also, lots of NFL to discuss today. Coming up at 8.30, we will get you everything you need to know about the Arizona Cardinals and what's been going on with them in the offseason, what we can expect from the Arizona Cardinals in the upcoming NFL draft. 
you know, what Kyler's absence from the voluntary workouts means that started yesterday. Um, and what's up with DeAndre Hopkins? Like, like, there's more than just an injury going on with DeAndre. Like, he's disappeared. Uh, nobody kind of knows, like, where like, – I, mean, I shouldn't say nobody knows. He hasn't – his appearances have not been public. He – you know, there's rumors that he's got some kind of a sickness or an illness going on. I don't know if it's like a bloodborne type of, of disease or something, you know, if they found a, a sickle cell trait or something like that. I don't know, but we'll talk with Tyler about that because it's been very, very eerily quiet, to be honest with you, um, up here specifically in regards to DeAndre Hopkins. And I also have some some stats that I kind of dug into that may be pointing to the fact that it may be the beginning of the end for DeAndre Hopkins, even at the young age of uh, of just 30 years old but we all know what that means in NFL language as it pertains to wide receivers. So we'll talk with Tyler Drake about that. That's going to be at 8.30. That'll be in hour number two. We also have some other NFL news. Adam Schefter reporting yesterday that Debo Samuel is likely to be traded from the San Francisco 49ers. His brother, uh, Taekwon Samuel, was on Facebook the other day basically saying, you know, to 49er fans, he was trolling 49er fans' um, Facebook pages, like like a fan page or whatever, basically saying, don't worry, he won't be a 49er next year. You can bet on that. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about that in other NFL news because there's lots of stuff going on in the NFL right now. We'll have some, some, uh, some draft coverage for you as well as the NFL draft now, just a little over a week away. So excited. It's, it's like Christmas morning for me. But we begin in the NBA and the association, specifically at the Footprint Center last night in Phoenix as the Suns, the one seed, lose to the New Orleans Pelicans, the eight seed, in game two of the Western Conference first round. And they lose 125-114. And look, it, it was, you know, it was a dominant performance by the New Orleans Pelicans. And, and let's not, you know, let's not sugarcoat this. That was... Uh, maybe the best shooting performance ever in the history of Pelicans basketball. Like, it, it was, they were unconscious. I think they were just, they couldn't miss. If you watch the game, there were contested shots that they were making. They, you know, would pull up threes that were, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, not even in rhythm, but just, like, let's just launch a ball into the air and see what happens. And they would go in. Brandon Ingram was insane last night, 37 points for uh, for Brandon Ingram of the uh, the Pelicans. He had 37 on 13 of 21 shooting. He was 3 of 3 from beyond the arc. He was perfect from the free throw line. Oh, by the way, he also had 11 rebounds and 9 assists, so almost a trip dub for Brandon Ingram. Also, C.J. McCollum was lights out from beyond the arc last night, 6 of 10 from beyond the arc. He missed all the shots he took from inside the arc, and was 6 of 10 outside the arc. 23 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds, 8 rebounds for C.J. McCollum. Uh, that's a problem because when you have Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum grabbing 17 rebounds, that tells you one thing. Your guards ain't doing their job on the boards. They didn't do it in game one when the Suns got blasted on the glass by 20 and they didn't do it last night either as they got beat on the glass once again, this time not as badly, 
43-33, to still got beat by 10, but uh, it was New Orleans' backcourt who was really kind of dominant in the rebounding game last night. Valanchunas had 13 boards last night, only three offensive boards. Again, you make 58% of your shots, not a whole lot of opportunities for offensive rebounds, just like I said with the Suns in game one as well as they shot. Look, I'm going to be willing to bet that New Orleans will probably never shoot that well again, certainly not against the Phoenix Suns. And uh, and I'm not calling it lucky. Uh, it maybe was more of a fluke the way that they shot the ball last night. Um, but there, I mean, there were plenty of contested shots. It wasn't like the Suns were just not contesting and they, they you know, they weren't playing defense. Uh, they couldn't get stops. Whatever they tried, they weren't able to get the stops, and that's that's what it boils down to. You cannot win games if you don't get stops. I mean, the Suns scored 114 points last night. It's not like the Suns were terrible offensively. They shot 50% from the field, 37% from beyond the arc. They didn't go to the free throw line as much as I felt they should. They were settling for a lot of jumpers. Jay Crowder, thank you uh, for just continuing to launch the ball into the air with reckless abandon. I still say that I, I, I'm, I still don't like that signing. I never did like that signing of Jay Crowder. He's fake tough guy. He's a guy that will shoot your team into holes and not be able to dig you out because although he is an average defensive player, um, he's not great. And, you know, he's I, I, I've never liked that signing. I've never liked Jay Crowder's game, and I'm still not a fan. And last night he was 2 of 11 from the field. He made a shot late in the game that didn't matter, uh, ended up 2 of 11. He was 1 of 10 when it mattered, 0 for 5 from beyond the arc, continuing to launch the ball into the air. Now, I will say this. <clears throat> it, it, you know, as it pertains to Monty Williams' scheme and, and his philosophy, if you're open and you're out there on the team, he wants you to shoot the ball. I mean, you know, if you're if you're on this team, it's because you can shoot. Now, JaVale McGee's not going to get outside jump shots, uh, and there are certain guys on this team that probably should shoot the ball a little bit less. But uh, nonetheless, if you're open, he wants you to shoot the ball. And Jay Crowder was left open last night. And like I said earlier in the week when discussing, you know, Jeff Van Gundy's uh, assessment of Josh Green, former Wildcat player, of course, now playing with the Dallas Mavericks, his assessment of Josh Green was there's a reason that you're being left open because they don't believe you can make that jump shot. And Josh Green proved the uh, Utah Jazz correct, not able to hit his jump shots in game one or in game two, uh, in heavily decreased minutes in game number two as well. Same for Jane Crowder. The difference is Jay Crowder is a starter and a guy who gets 37 minutes a game for the Phoenix Suns and is expected to make those shots. And last night, look, he was terrible. Um, and I'm not, putting the, I'm not putting the entire blame on him. I'm just picking on one aspect of the, of the offense, that really the only aspect of the offense that was bad last night, other than the fact that DeAndre Ayton didn't get enough touches. 33 minutes, only six shot attempts. He was four of six from the field, only scored 10 points had nine boards, four assists in his uh, 33 minutes, no turnovers, but no block shots either for DeAndre, and he was minus 13 on the plus-minus sheet. And again, uh, I know a lot of people don't like the plus-minus statistic. I'm one of those people who do like the plus-minus stat, but only if it's like a double-digit number, if it's it's a significant number. Plus-minus three, I'm like, I couldn't care less. Um, But if you're 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 minus 13, (coughs) pardon me, if you're minus 13, uh, that's an issue. And uh, that's what that was DeAndre last night. He was, uh, he was minus 13 when they were out there. Now, granted, uh, the Pelicans went small, 
and the Suns did less of the shell defense scheme that they're known for, where DeAndre Ayton is often called to go out and, and defend the perimeter. They were doing less of that last night. He was more stuck to Valanciunas, uh, stuck to Larry Nance, you know, as w- when they were in the games. And, you know, I thought he did well. Uh, Valanciunas, you know, had a, had a very average game, 10 points, 13 boards for him. Larry Nance had a nice game. Uh, he was making some, like, some mid-range jumpers, which you don't normally see from Larry Nance Jr. That's not his game. Uh, but he was able to knock down a few of those. Again, the entire effort by the Phoenix Suns, in my opinion, was poor. Now, here's the issue that I have with the whole thing. And, and look, there, I, have, I have issues, and we, we, there are a lot of things that I can point to and the reason why the Suns lost that game. And a lot of them are anomalies. And it will tell you that the Suns are not going to lose this series. Here's the number one issue that I have with everything that occurred last night. Willie Green, after his after game one, in his post-game press conference, called his shot after game one. Basically said, what we're going to do in game two is play faster. Because he literally said, we need to play faster and we're going to address that. Okay? So, Willie Green, in his post-game, literally says it. We're gonna, we need to play faster, we're going to address that. Well, that translated to a, a combined... 26 points in transition last night, crushing the Suns in fast break points. Now, I'm talking about not only field goals made, but also free throws because the Suns were caught sleeping on a lot of breakouts, a lot of them. And the Suns were forced to foul wide open instead of giving up a layup, forced to foul. In fact, half of the Pelicans' free throw attempts came because of the Suns' poor lack of getting back in transition and forcing to foul to stop a layup. Half of them. Leading to 26 transition points. Players for the New Orleans Pelicans would contest a shot, contest a Suns jump shot, and then not even care about going to look for the rebound. Whoever contested the shot would take off running. And I mean streaking down the court. And it happened time and time and time again. There were, I mean, I mean, I think I counted on, in the second half alone, five instances, just, just the second half alone, five instances where a Pelicans player was standing by himself in the paint after a Suns missed shot. By himself on the opposite end of the court, 94 feet away, by himself. Nobody around, nobody even at half court. That's inexcusable. You cannot lose your man. You cannot lose focus like that. I don't care how bad you got whipped on the glass the night before. It's almost like it's almost like Willie Green had a, had this plan, and maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit for this. Maybe the plan was we're going to crush him on the glass in game one. Win or lose, we're going to attack the glass with reckless, reckless abandon, and they did. Beat the Suns by twenty in the in the in the rebounding game. We're going to crash the glass so hard that they have nothing to focus on after a game one win, but cleaning up their rebounding edge. We're going to use this to our advantage because in game two we're not going to care about rebounding. We're going to send people down the floor to score in transition and get easy buckets, and we're going to hang a buck twenty-five on these chumps. And he did it, and he said so after the damn game in game one. We're going to play faster in game two. 
We need to play faster. What did they do last night? They played faster. Gosh, what a concept. Coach gives up the secret in the postgame press conference. Nobody listened. Nobody paid attention. And they certainly didn't pay attention last night because they lost complete focus in that game. Complete and utter focus, completely lost. It was dead, done, and over with midway through the third quarter. Not only because that was at the point that Devin Booker had exited the game with another hamstring injury after a masterful first half, 31 points in the first half, but you just tell you, – you, look, you can watch a game and you can tell when a team doesn't have it, and the Phoenix Suns did not have it. They had, they, they had flirted with, you know, five- and six-point leads in the first half – but they were still down. I mean, you know, Devin Booker hitting the shot at the end of the first quarter, as fun as that was, dapping up the baby after he, after he, you know, after he hits the shot and hits the deck to uh, to beat the buzzer at the end of the first quarter. The Suns were still down at the end of the first quarter. That only made the score thirty to twenty eight. They were down two instead of down four. Give up thirty in the first. Gave up sixty nine points in the second half of that game. Absolutely inexcusable. Sixty nine points one of the best defensive teams in the league. One of the three, but certainly, okay, not the best. Boston's best defensive team in the league, bar none, without question, period, end of story. Nobody's even close. But the argument for the second best defensive team is certainly out there. And the Suns are absolutely in that conversation. And to give up 69 points to the Norman's Pelicans and the way that they did it, I, I, this is not just all on the unconscious jump shooting of the Pels' wing players. And they were unconscious. McCollum, Ingram, uh, um, uh, Trey, Mur- Trey Murphy. Well, who? Uh, Alvarado. He he couldn't miss either. Jackson Hayes. Like what? What's happening? Like why? Why are all these people scoring points so easily and making it look easy? Uh, that was a problem for the Phoenix Suns. Monty Williams was not happy after the game. Um, he felt you know he, he he felt that that the Suns had lost focus. And he's right, and they need to go back and they need to address that because the, not only are you playing at home, and the Suns had the exact same home record as they had an away record, which is remarkable in the NBA. You, you don't you don't see that ever. <laughs> like, you, you just don't unless you, you know your team is just so bad you, you only get you know five wins at home, five wins on the road, whatever. The Suns, best team in the league, had the exact same record at home as they did on the road. They, they don't they're not phased. They don't play any differently. Why would you, you know? Why would you need to increase your focus or lose your focus one way or the other? But to lose at home, to play the way you did at home in front of your home crowd like that, to completely lose focus, and in the playoffs? Come on, man. Now, there are other reasons that I have for this. The Suns' lack of focus dooming them. But there were other things in play last night as well, things that are out of the Suns' control. Or are they? The playoffs are here, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, which is an official uh, betting partner of the NBA. Now, throughout the playoffs, all customers can place their no-sweat same-game parlay each week. It's a weekly bet. What is a no-sweat SGP, you ask? Well, first off, if you go to the app, find the Promotions tab there, find the no-sweat promo on the FanDuel app, click the opt-in button. Okay. Once you've opted in, you can choose your same-game parlay for the week that you would like to play for the chance to win up to $20 in free bets on the site. Now, I've done this already, and I've already, I've already used my free bet, uh, and that was not a winner either. 
unfortunately. But there's nothing like playing with literal house money because that's exactly what it is. FanDuel has a ton of different ways to customize your parlays. You can join in. You can get in there with player points, assists, rebounds. You can do double-doubles, triple-doubles, whatever you want to do. Jump in, and there's so many different tabs for same-game parlays. You can customize so much stuff, which is great. That's maybe the best and the worst thing about it because I get lost, and I'm like, oh, there's my nine-leg parlay. What are you doing? Slap yourself across the face. If you're new to FanDuel, great. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up with my promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, and you can enjoy access to even more great promotions like this one that they have not only in the NBA but MLB, NHL, and other great sports that are out there available for you to uh, to bet on. Once again, that's using my promo code DEAN exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And if you already have an account, you're all set to bet. No sweat. So lace them up this NBA season. Get up to $20 back in free bets if your SGP doesn't win with FanDuel Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NBA. 21 and over in President Arizona. Refund issued is non withdrawable Free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full term to sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. When I return, the one thing. The one thing that probably doomed the Phoenix Suns more than anything else last night was something that was completely out of their control. Or was it? That's next on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, talking Phoenix Suns here, why they lost to the Pelicans, 125-114. to 114. Obviously, you have 125 points in the game. It's tough to win a game like that unless it goes to, like, double overtime. Giving up a buck 25 in the NBA usually does not translate to wins. Okay? That's one thing. Devin Booker, 31 points in the first half, leaves early in the third quarter with another hamstring injury. <sighs> Caused him to miss time earlier this year. Caused him to miss time in the finals last year. Hamstrings, hamstrings, hamstrings. And when he pulled up, he's chasing down somebody, as we saw so many times last night, because the Suns could not focus on getting back on defense. Chasing somebody down from behind who had gotten free on a breakout, and he pulls up lame with a hammy. We'll see what happens. Okay, There were a lot of things that led to the Suns' collapse last night and the Suns' loss. And look, this series is not over by any stretch of the imagination. The Suns are going to win this series. Have no fear, folks. I mean, really, have no fear. Because all of these things were in play last night that led to a victory for the Pelicans. Booker leaves the game early in the third quarter after having one of the best first halves of his life, on, on pace to have a new career high in playoff points. They gave up 26 transition points to the Pelicans, a lot of them uncontested layups that had gotten free on the backside. The Pelicans enjoy their best shooting game in franchise history and drop 32 dimes on the process, 32 assists in the game. Sun's lack of focus. All these things culminated in the loss. But the one thing, the one thing that was out of their control was this. In Before the game, uh, Vince Morata, a good friend of mine, he, he and I used to do a show together. We did a radio show together. Vince is a, is a, uh, a legend up here in, uh, in local radio. He's done morning shows on FM, and he's done a uh, ton of stuff. He has a, a radio show here now, but he's the, the PA announcer for the Phoenix Suns and a very good friend of mine. He announced last night the starting of the, the officials for the game. When they announced the name Scott Foster, 
immediately. Phoenix Suns fans, it registered to them because Phoenix Suns fans are knowledgeable fans, and they said, boo. I mean, and it was a raining of boos. And people may be wondering why. People were booing one particular official that got pointed out uh, at, at the before the game. That is because Chris Paul is now 2-16 and 16 lifetime in the playoffs in games in which Scott Foster is officiating, including 12 consecutive losses, 12 losses in a row. The last time Chris Paul won a game officiated by Scott Foster was game one of the first-round series between the L.A. Clippers and Memphis Grizzlies in 2013. At this point, I can't even be mad at Scott Foster anymore because this is 100% a mental error, a mental something going on mentally in between the years with Chris Paul because he didn't play well last night. Don't let the numbers fool you. He was 17 points, 13 assists. His shot looked bad. He was turning the ball over. He dribbled the ball off his foot. He didn't. He just. He just didn't look himself. Defensively, he was really bad. Like he, he played a really bad game. Did Chris Paul didn't look like a first ballot unanimous decision Hall of Fame point guard, one of the five greatest point guards of all time last night. It's in his head now. And last year. When the Suns lost, I think it was in the Western Conference Finals in a game that Scott Foster had officiated, Chris Paul tweeted out 11 in a row. That's all he tweeted, 11 in a row. So he knows, like he's well aware of the streak that is now continuing and has now grown to 12 in a row. And like I said, I can't even be mad at Scott Foster anymore. I no longer put this on him. Like before, you know, when it was like, Nine in a row, eight in a row, whatever. Hey, let you know, stop. Whatever you're doing is ruining Chris Paul's game. Just knock it off. Like whatever, whatever it is. But after 18 games in the playoffs, and you're two and 16 with this dude, and you got 12 consecutive losses, and you're tweeting after the games, 10 in a row, 11 in a row. I don't know if he tweeted last night. I don't think he did. Um, I didn't look, but I, I don't think he did. It, it, it's, it's obvious that he's in your head now. That, that, that's, a, that's a you problem now. This is Chris Paul's problem. Chris Paul is going to have to get over this. Scott Foster is not going to change his game, and I, I don't think there's anything – I mean, I don't even know what it is. I, I, don't, I, I haven't talked – I don't talk with, you know, Terry McCauley or, or any of you know, these guys that are experts on NBA officiating on what Scott Foster is specifically doing to cause this problem. There's obviously something going on. There's something there. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this type of a of – a, of a tilt in you know win loss percentage, but this is now on Chris Paul. This is the ball is in Chris Paul's court now because he he now has to to beat this. He has to find a way to get over this. You can't you can't let this continue to fester and be a problem for yourself and your teammates. And last night, once again, Chris Paul turns in a poor performance, and it wasn't all on Chris Paul. I'm not I'm not putting this loss on him at all. I, I just laid out the litany of things that happened last night that created this win and, and you know for the Pelicans, i.e. loss for the Suns. But damn, like it's hard to ignore the two and sixteen record all time in Scott Foster playoff games and twelve in a row. It's been nine years since he won a Scott Foster officiated game in the postseason. 
Regular season is different. Postseason, it's it's definitely a palpable problem for Chris Paul. And this has been a bugaboo that has followed Chris Paul throughout his career. It's always the one thing that we've talked about. He's one of the greatest point guards ever, but can't get his team over the hump, can't get his team. Previously, it was couldn't get his team into the NBA Finals. Now it's couldn't get his team to a championship, up 2-0 in the finals against the Milwaukee Bucks, can't get her done. Wasn't Chris Paul's fault. But I'm saying that these are the kind of things that follow you around. When you're when you're that great, when you're the leader, I mean he's you know, essentially the the quarterback of the team. He's the point guard. He's the he's the ace starting pitcher. He's the you know, he's the Hall of Fame goaltender. What you know, whatever have you. Uh you know, whatever comparison you want to make, he's the guy that all eyes are upon. And the guy that is counted upon, not only by his teammates and his coaching staff, but by the fans, to carry their team to the promised land. Get them a trophy. And he's been unable to do so throughout his career. Now, I'm not saying that this is... Thankfully, you know, you, you look at the amount of playoff games that Chris Paul has played. Thankfully, only 18 of them have it featured Scott Foster in them. And, and you know, he's played in a lot of games. I don't know what the exact number is. It's you know, probably quadruple uh, the number of games that have been officiated by Scott Foster. But this is certainly a problem. This is, and, and we're going to see him again. We're going to see Scott Foster in another game this postseason. It's going to happen. It's just the rotation of the officials. What is going to happen the next time Scott Foster officiates a Phoenix Suns game? Chris, it's on Chris Paul now. I, I, again, I can't, be, I can't be putting the blame on Scott Foster anymore. As Bill Belichick says, and as I repeat on this show, beating a dead horse until I'm blue in the face, you do business as business is being done. You have to change the way that you're doing business if it's not conducive, you know, if, if the way the business is being done is not conducive to the way you're normally accustomed to doing it. Just, just you know, something that Chris Paul is going to have to overcome. Game three is set for Friday night in New Orleans. You can hear that right here on ESPN Tucson as we are your home for Phoenix Suns basketball. All right, when I return, some of the other Game 2 results last night. Heat get the win over the Hawks, and the Grizz punch back against the T-Wolves. We'll talk about that and some more things about the association next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, another game in the association last night. The Miami Heat extend their round one lead over the Atlanta Hawks with a 115-105 win. The Hawks were game last night. It just, you know, just didn't go their way. They were right there the entire time. They were one point shy in the first quarter. They were one point shy in the second quarter. Like, it was was one of those really close games. They won the fourth quarter. Um, But it just wasn't to be... Jimmy Butler was insane last night. 45 points for Jimmy Butler, 15 of 25 from the field, 4 of 7 from beyond the arc. He was 11 of 12 at the free throw line. Uh, and really the, the story in the game was the free throw line. Atlanta settling for jump shots as they're known to do. You know, anytime you have a team that features, you know, Dallin O'Gallinari, Trey Young, uh, Kevin Herter, uh, even, you know, even Bogey, you know, they're all jump shooters, uh, so you're not going to get a whole lot of, of free throw attempts. 11 of 14 from the free throw line. Meanwhile, Miami was just pounding it inside, attacking the rim. 
the likes of Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, uh, you know, all those guys just attacking the rim, going at the hoop consistently. Um, even Tyler Hero, was, you know, whose jump shot was kind of eluding him, decided he was going to scrap that and go try to attack the rim. They were 25 of 29 from the free throw line. So winning the free throw edge by 14 is huge in a playoff game, and that's what uh, that's what got the uh, the Miami Heat their victory. They're now 2-0 in that series to uh, to lead the Atlanta Hawks. That game is or that series is now shifting to Atlanta as Game Three will be Friday afternoon, uh, four o'clock local time here. Uh, game three in Atlanta. We'll see if the Hawks can get one back in that 1-8 matchup there. And in the Western Conference, in a series that I said there will be blood, there wasn't blood, but Carl Anthony Towns took a cheap shot at John Morant, and John Morant got knocked. He, he got knocked silly in that game. However, he didn't let it deter his efforts as the Grizz punch back, and they throttle the Minnesota Timberwolves last night, 124-96. to and John Morant flirts with a triple-double in uh, in just 29 minutes of play last night. He had 23 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, and was a, a force to be reckoned with um, in that game. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. also got uh, 16 points. The, the league's leading shot blocker only had one block shot. It was the only block shot in the game for the Memphis Grizzlies, which is weird. <laughs> but... Yeah, uh, normally they're you know they're a much better uh, shot blocking team, and you know this is this is a, it's a good basketball team. They were the number they're the number two seed in the West for a reason. The very difficult West. They're they're an interesting team. Like you know the way that they lost game one, it looked like you know maybe it was their maybe their their maturity level, you know whatever you know inexperience. Minnesota is equally as inexperienced, if not more um, inexperienced, and then. Game two, they just come out and just destroy a team. Now, I think personally, Minnesota's a little bit more of a roller coaster than Memphis is this this season. But I think this series is going to go the distance. And I do. I look. It's a very physical series. Last night, Carl Anthony Towns uh, setting a screen. He was he was setting a screen for um, uh, for Jalen Noel, um, and in you know John Morant is trailing there. He goes tries to go underneath the screen, and Carl Anthony Towns hip-checks him. And, I, I mean, sticks the leg out, moves the hips, everything. I mean, everything was dirty about that offensive screen and just absolutely crushes John Morant. And Morant laid on the floor for a little while. John's a, you know, he's a little guy. I know he's tough and everything. People love to watch his game, but he's not a big guy. And it's the one thing about his game that, you know, has always concerned me just the same way that I was concerned with Allen Iverson back in the day. And you know when I watch Derrick Rose, and, and I will still con- I will still you know contend this. He's the best high school basketball player I've ever seen in my entire life. I've watched a lot of high level high school basketball, and Derrick Rose to me is still the best high school basketball player I've ever seen. But even you know knowing all of that, w- once he got to the association, I'm like, his size is going to be a problem for him because of uh, the way that he plays. He's not a, he's not a natural shooter. He's a guy that uses his strength and athleticism and bounce to attack the rim and put pressure on the defense that way, and that's how he scores. And he's remarkable at it, and he's explosive, and he's insane with how quick and strong he is. But you can take a beating in the NBA. People don't like that. Big men don't like that in the NBA. You're going to get crushed, and it, it's you know it's caused Derrick Rose some problems throughout his career. Guys like John Wall, same way. You know, 
uh, and John is even a bigger guy than than Derrick Rose and John Morant is. And he, you know, his career cut short because of injuries, because of the beating that he took as a, a smaller type of guard who attacks the rim that doesn't have the jump shot. He doesn't have the luxury of a jump shot like a Steph Curry does, right? So John Morant kind of fits into that mold. Dwayne Wade is, you know, he's kind of the outlier. Dwayne was a bigger guy than people give him credit for. He was just on a, he was on big teams. You know, he played he played with Shaq and LeBron and Chris Bosh. You know, and he played with all these big guys. So he looked like a little guy. But Dwayne Wade was a stout dude. Like, I, you know, I've stood next to Dwayne on several occasions. He's he, a big guy. Um, he was able to take a beating. And he's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he still gets as much respect from me as any player in NBA history, the way that that guy went about his business. He was as tough as they come. Uh, I'm a big Dwayne Wade fan as far as, like, his game and the way that he approached it, the way he approached life. You know, uh, you get down, you get knocked down nine times, you get up ten, you know, that kind of thing, that whole mentality. I love that mentality. It's, that, that, is, that is bulldog mentality. Um, and you like to see it out of guys. John Morant, you know, is tough. I mean, he's one of those guys, he, he will bounce up, and, he, you know, he tries to make it a point the same way that, that Donovan Mitchell does. You know, it's that mentality, like, I'm a smaller guard, and I know that, that my game is, you know, I'm not a great jump shooter. In, in, uh, in Donovan Mitchell's case, he's more of, of a streaky jump shooter. He's got a jump shot, but he's more streaky, certainly, than some of the other guys. But they attack the rim because they got great bounce and athleticism, but they're also little. I mean, Donovan Mitchell. What is he, 6'1", 6'2", barely 200 pounds? You know, John Morant, 175 pounds? They're going to get knocked around. Part of the mental game that they employ on the opposing teams is when they take a big hit is to bounce right back up and say, you know, I'm not phased by this. You can tell the defense that you, you know, that didn't bother me, that didn't hurt. Everyone on planet Earth knows that inside they're hurting big time, but they're not showing it outwardly. And this is something that's going to to take effect on John Morant as he progresses in his career. He's not a great jump shooter. We know that. I don't think that he'll ever develop into a great jump shooter. He will develop into a better jump shooter. It's only natural that he does. Um, but the beating that he takes now, you know, the the uh, what what is the the um, the his body won't be able to to cash the checks that his younger self is is trying to uh, uh, you know trying to 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 write right now. So it's it's going to be an interesting series. I like I said I still think there's going to be blood in this series. I think there's going to be a fight in this series or whatever you call an NBA fight, uh, a forehead fight or whatever <laughs> whatever you want to call them or slap fight or NBA players. It always cracks me up when, they, when you see on sports. There's a fight in an NBA game. I'm like I can't wait to see this. <laughs> because you know, it's just, it's like, it's guys throwing windmills, guys that don't know how to fight. Like, how how do you, like, John Morant talks a pretty tough game. Like, you, you hear Ja in his in his press conference and things like that. He, you know, he talks about they don't want that smoke. He's all about that action. You know, he's he talks a tough game. And I don't know if I would mess with Ja because he seems like he's he's really about it. You know, like, he's, <laughs> he he's, He's all business in that aspect. But most NBA guys, man, they they couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag. It's funny to watch sometimes. Same with baseball players, which is why the Nolan Ryan thing is always so popular because it's like, oh, my gosh, look at a guy that can actually throw a punch. <laughs> Poor Robin Ventura. Every, as great as Robin Ventura was. I mean, I remember watching Robin Ventura 
in college. He was on national TV in college because he was so damn good, uh, you know, at the collegiate level. And then carried that into his in his pro level. The only thing people remember him for is getting a bloody nose after being, you know, big brother punched by Nolan Ryan repeatedly on the mound. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, it's a it's a sad it's sad state of affairs for Robin Ventura, uh, but nonetheless, I digress. Uh, I think that, that that Memphis and Minnesota series was, is going to get even more physical as it goes on, and Game 3 is Thursday in Minnesota as the uh, the game the series is now tied 1-1, and I still think Memphis is going to win that series, but they're going to take a beating in, on the way. All right, we're going to take a timeout when I return. We'll look ahead to some of the playoff games tonight, and we'll give you some news about what's going on with Arizona Athletics as they get a, a new commitment from a Euro player for uh, Tommy Lloyd's program. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM 1049 FM ESPN Tucson. Some playoff action tonight in the association. You've got uh, Game 3, Sixers-Raptors. That uh, series has transitioned to Toronto. 76ers have been dominant in their first two games back in Philly. Now they go to Toronto. They're going to be without Matisse Seibel. To be honest with you, they were without him to begin with because Doc Rivers is like, we're going to learn how to play without you because we're not going to have you for the series in Toronto. So he played eight minutes in Game 1, five minutes in Game 2, and did not make the trip for them to uh, to Toronto. So – no Matisse Thibel. I don't think it matters anymore. The Sixers you know, may lose one or both of these games in Toronto, but they are they have shown that they are in full control of that series. Bulls and Bucks, finally. It seems like it's been forever since they played. They're going to play game two tonight in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I still think, is the, the favorite to win the East, but the East is a beast right now, uh, and not in, not in the in this realm of, there's, you know, five epic great teams. It's just there's five good, you know, and one really potentially really good team uh, in the East. And it's going to be a grind for the, you know, for the Eastern Conference the rest of the way. Uh, I think the Bull, the Bucks will, will take care of the Bulls, although the Bulls were game in, act number, in, in game one. You know, they, they really showed up, played some great defense. Um, they weren't able to get accurate scoring, but anytime you got Giannis, I still think he's one of the three best players on the planet, and uh, he's going to show that in this series. And uh, so, Bucks Bulls game two tonight, and the highly anticipated Nets and Celtics game two. We've got bird flipping, uh, fifty thousand dollar fine for Kyrie Irving for flipping the bird and using terse language at the uh, at, at the uh, the fans. In Boston, which I get it, man. Like you want to find the guy fifty grand for for saying bad words and using a finger gesture that everybody has seen and nobody is offended by anymore. When he flipped off the crowd, it didn't seem to me that anyone was offended. They started laughing at him. Kyrie is going to continue to let those things bother him. I don't even know why the NBA bothers with fining him over something like that. I just I find that silly, to be honest with you. Like, wh- why? I know that the league has a uh, an image that they want to uphold, and they want their players to conduct themselves with some decorum in front of the fans. But I'll tell you what, like, 
you know, I've talked to NBA players. I'm have, hell, I've talked to players in every every league. And the things that the fans say to these people, and look, we've been to games. Hell, some of you listening might be that person. You might be that, you know, that guy or that gal who says things to players that are personal, that are disgusting and rude or whatever have you. I, I'm of the disposition, like, I don't drink when I go to games. Like, I'll, I'll drink if I go to, like, a baseball game or if it's a game that I don't care about. Like, there's been times where I've just gone as a fan. Like, I went to, like, a Cardinals-Dolphins game once. Didn't care. Like, I really don't care. Reggie Bush was playing running back for the Dolphins at the time. I was like, I'm going to have some pops here. I normally don't drink at games because I don't want to be that guy, first of all. And second of all, I actually like to pay attention to what's going on on the field or on the court. I don't want to be getting up to go to the bathroom, you know, every 20 minutes or wondering where my next beer is going to come from. I don't know. Maybe I'm a different breed, but I don't like to drink at games. But the other fans do, and boy, do they drink it up and uh, get loudmouth with some of that uh, loudmouth soup that they keep pouring into their bellies. And it's going to continue tonight. Those Boston Celtics fans are going to be all over Kyrie tonight. And that should be a good one. Game two, Nets and Celtics tonight. Be looking for that one. Coming up in hour number two, quick two-minute turnaround. Lots of NFL and some U of A to discuss. Stay tuned to the Jeff Dean Show. Hour number two is next right here on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.